Traveling is a way to stretch time. It's a way to make something very finite just a little more infinite. Okay, I know there's no such thing as a little more infinite, but you know what I mean. Haven't there been times when you've taken a long weekend trip and when you turn into the driveway to come back home, you feel like you've been gone a lot longer than just a few days? In this episode, we are talking about both traveling and confronting our own limited timelines to do things for ourselves and our children and our grandchildren that might or might not include trips with them. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And welcome to The Grand Life. First, let's talk about what happened this week in our segment... This Week in Grandparenting. As this episode hits the interwebs, people in Florida are starting the massive cleanup efforts following Hurricane Ian. You know, it's hard to wrap your head around that kind of devastation. So I hesitate to complain about a Disney trip we were going to take on those specific days. I mean, we couldn't go to Walt Disney World. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, well. You know, thing is, this is one of the first big vacations we had planned for just ourselves. We were all set to uh, treat ourselves to some luxury. Well, obviously, that didn't happen. It is a little embarrassing, though, in hindsight, that we really did kind of weigh this decision. Maybe we go, maybe we don't go. And we canceled in just the last few hours that we were able to. Flying to Florida for a vacation, knowing that a big hurricane would meet you there, does not at this point sound to have been a smart choice. Right. So we we did something that I'm now is one of our favorite words. We pivoted, which everybody is doing these days. And, you know, we just changed our plans, decided to go up north, drive, you know, four hours, spend some time near some water. And, you know, I mean, the first time we wanted to go to Walt Disney World was during COVID, and that ended up getting canceled. So you know, this week in grandparenting, either way, whether we'd gone to Disney World or we went up north, involved no grandparenting. Anyway, the point is, we had decided to take a trip alone without children and grandchildren to a rather playful place. Originally. Yeah, all for ourselves. Does that sound selfish to you? Does it feel selfish? I mean, I kind of felt a little selfish about it. I had a hard time not feeling guilty when I wanted to do something for myself. Well, so to be honest, that is a thing that you do. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It just, I know. It's like, I, you know, some people love their issues. I love my guilt. But I'll tell you, it's something I wouldn't feel guilty about is this. If you heard the last episode of the podcast all the way to the very end, you heard us talk about a story about a grandfather who invited his children and grandchildren on a cruise for his 82nd birthday. I think it was his 82nd. And, you know, that might seem selfish to ask everyone to come on a cruise, I suppose, but it seems rather generous to me. Anyway, the grandson couldn't come because I think his wife was either expecting a baby or had just had a baby. Yeah. And he wanted the grandfather to, in exchange, give him the money that he would have had to spend on this grandson coming and his grandson's family. Uh, instead of, you know, him coming, he wanted the money. Yeah, so the, the the money was set aside anyway. He didn't right. think it was any big deal to say to Grandpa, <laughs> you know, we could really use that at this point in, in our lives. Can you imagine? I mean, 
the gall of asking your grandfather to give you the money that he was going to spend on you. I mean, the point was the grandfather wanted everybody to be on this cruise together, and it was his birthday. So I feel like there's no question that that would have been not the right thing to do. So it was a it was a gift. Clearly, it was mm-hmm. going to be a gift. Yeah. Uh, the grandfather had set aside that money to use as a gift to his family. And to himself. Yeah. You right. know, I mean, this was his birthday. He wanted to do something yeah. special. So, yeah, it does. From a certain point of view, it sounds ridiculous. From another one, it doesn't sound as ridiculous. Really? I feel like it's well, it's really I, pushing I mean, it. I, I, at the end of it, I land with you Yeah. on this. I, I think it was the wrong thing to do. But, yeah, it's, but it, it's not an incomprehensible request. Well, it seems incomprehensible to me. But there's a lot about our kids' generation that looks that way to many of us. I mean, think about how much they travel. Totally with you there. I don't know about you, but once we had kids, the only place we traveled to was like to see our parents on both sides because we didn't live close to either of them. So family was our destination. That was our vacation. And that's kind of, you know, what we what we spent our money on and what we did. But now sometimes we did take them to other places like like Washington, D.C. or to New York City, but we did not do that very often. Yeah, we, we didn't do it that often. And often it was on the way to see our parents. We would stop at a museum or a place that was fun or whatever. But we're talking about kids who travel and they often go by themselves and they leave their kids with grandparents or other people. But when it was just the two of us, I think, only when you won some kind of company awards trip that had already been paid for would we go. And even then, we didn't go on a few of them because we couldn't arrange childcare. Right. I mean, it's a lot when you have four children to fend your children off. My parents, my mother came with my sisters a couple times, but after a while, you know, we just couldn't keep asking. Right. That list of destinations of company-funded award trips sounds more like a list of places that couples would go to when they make it a point to go somewhere, go play, go have fun, go get away. Yeah, and we we weren't doing that. So this next generation is both committed to experiences and very resourceful, I have to say. I see lots of adult kids going on all sorts of trips. I mean, in social media, everywhere. And I wondered, has that been your experience as you're watching your adult children? We're happy to help out when we can, but I'm always amazed at how much of a priority this is to them. And maybe it should be a priority. I mean, I think that in the long run, it's probably a good thing to set aside time to do the things you want to do as a couple and and a family and not get bogged down in the hard of everyday life. I was a terrible martyr when I look back on my life as a mother. I think you're being kind of hard on yourself. Well, you know, I sacrificed myself like a soldier and took a bit of pride in being stuck in the trenches with four children who were all, you know, under the age of four and a half. and. So I decided to ask someone who didn't do mothering that way about her take on things. I've invited a friend, Shirley Showalter, to chat about this very thing. Her experiences as a mother were different from mine, but now as grandmothers, I think we might be very much on the same page. Shirley is former president of Goshen College and the author of Blush, A Mennonite Girl Meets the Glittering World and co-author with Marilyn McIntyre of The Mindful Grandparent, The Art of Loving Our Children's Children. Hi, Shirley. So good to have you on The Grand Life. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. You know, I I think I, I looked at parenthood 
through a martyr's lens, you know, taking pride in hunkering down and taking care of our four children. And I sometimes like in my past and how I talk about it as like war stories. When I get together with my girlfriends, we start talking about what we used to do and how hard it was. And we were in a black hole and it was like we were never getting out. And, you know, I think I'm evolving from that now. And I'm so proud of our adult children who are taking a different tack, like making sure they get the time they need away from the daily grind. And they don't they don't seem to take pride in, you know, really pushing hard all the time. But the question I would pose to you is, so how do you view your past and now your present as a parent and a grandmother? So tell me a little bit about your story, because I think yeah. we end up coming together at the end of this and being in the same place. Well, we'll find out. Um, I, uh, my own experience of mothering was that I, uh, was a 27 year old mother and then a 35 year old mother. And throughout, uh, both of my pregnancies and early childhood experiences with my two children, uh, my husband and I were both employed as professors at Goshen college Mm -hmm. And uh, we were building careers and trying to do scholarship and speaking and service work in the community and a pretty heavy teaching load all that time. So it was um, very, very hard. And I um, I love being a mother, but I also uh, found that there was inadequate child care for uh, help in managing all of these roles you know we just had to be creative we we did uh child care sharing with mm-hmm. other young couples and we managed with uh paid child care and unfortunately had no grandparents around us and oh yeah that that's terrible <laughs> it was really terrible totally and we sucks. had no relatives even so we um we had to really patch it together. It felt like it was uh, very, very hard work. So I I ended up feeling uh, guilty on every front, usually, that I wasn't giving my best in anything that I was doing because I had to do so many different things spread out over such a wide array. Yeah, you know, you sound more like this generation. I feel like a lot of the kids, my kids and their friends, their generation has to do that a lot especially if they don't live close to parents. Yes. And so that really influenced the way I became a grandmother. And how so? Well, uh, fortunately, um, when we learned that we were going to be grandparents, uh, my husband had a flexible job and I had uh, I had retired. So I was in a situation where I could offer to be the grand nanny something that I would have loved so much if someone had done for me. So (laughs) twice, um, my husband and I moved during the first year of a grandchild's life. And we went first to Brooklyn. And then uh, seven or eight years later, we went to Pittsburgh. So each of our children had us for uh, 10 months at the very beginning of their experience as parents. And we got to have a second chance. Uh, We we got to really devote ourselves this time to the children. And we we had other things we were doing, 
but we had there were two of us and one child and we we were able to uh do a morning shift and uh, afternoon shift yeah. and there were those wonderful naps in the middle of those times and we uh the person who was there at the morning made lunch and we overlapped for an hour and then had time to do other things and and also time to explore the city afterward oh brooklyn what a great place to explore you know it sounds like you've been doing juggling all along but the, the juggling that you're doing with your grandchildren is a little bit different now because you have more time and more space. But how do you juggle now your own desire to enjoy your grands, but also take time to feed your own infinite interests and, you know, have like a bucket list of sorts? Do you feel guilty when you take time away to do the things you want to do with your husband? Or No, I don't feel guilty. Um, I, I really... I'm delighted at the way we have been able to move in concert with our children and grandchildren. We're all in different places now, and we have been doing grandparenting differently all along, but I would say it's pretty intensive grandparenting, regardless of whether it's uh, close or far away. Yeah. And for the first time, we have a granddaughter who lives close to us. So uh, it's it's taken a different shape um, every time, but I am delighted that our children and we have been able to communicate what we need. And uh, so far, at least, it's it's really worked out well for us to be able to say, as we did this last two weekends, well, we're going to be gone to Indiana for this weekend. We're going to be uh, in Virginia next weekend. So we won't have our um, usual time with Lydia, our five-year-old granddaughter, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll be back and we'll look for opportunities. Maybe we'll drop in or um, invite them over sometime during the week, um, just flowing with whatever opportunity seems uh, available to us. Yeah. And we have a lot of things we are doing. We are writing and speaking and uh traveling a lot. Uh we we are enjoying this stage of life very very much and yeah. hope that we can continue. The one thing I would say about the infinite uh, interests and the finite time is that we, of course, look for ways where we can bring those together. Um, and so the time next year, we are planning to go to Iceland. Oh. And that's on our bucket list. But we are going to go with our oldest grandson, Owen, who is going to be 12 and a half years old. Oh, fun. So it's a coming of age kind of trip for him. And we found this trip through Road Scholars program that they have for grandparents. Yeah. And so we had we had already decided that this is something we wanted to do. We're older grandparents. Um I'm 74, my husband is 76, and uh we were later in life when we had our children and they did the same. And so <laughs> we know that um the time that we have uh, available to us as um relatively uh, youthful in body uh, and and able-bodied could be limited. So we want to make sure that we have an experience with each grandchild 
if possible, um, that is unique to them and also is a place we want to go so that we can explore it together. We can learn about it beforehand. Yeah. We can read books and oh, prepare. Yes. And when That's we get awesome. together at Christmas, um, the probably the gift that we give to Owen will be uh, focused on preparation for Iceland for next year. Wonderful. I can understand why you're saying those two things are intersecting. So, Shirley, as time goes on and you are able to check some of these off the list, I'm wondering if you are seeing the list get longer or shorter. Um, I think it's getting shorter. Interesting. Do you have a sense whether this is the, the way it works for most people, that the list does get shorter and that people in their 60s, 70s, 80s tend to sort of bear down on the things that are on the list? Yeah. Well, we don't even have a list per se. Um, yeah. We hmm. we have um, a number of interests and it seems that every time um, we are open and can plan for a trip, uh, a good one comes up. And so we haven't gone out of our way to say we definitely want to go to this place and this place and this place. Although after we go to Iceland, we will probably do a... Um, river tour, which will get us to some places in Europe that we haven't been yet. So that's that's going to be just for us. And that will make the list shorter for uh, the future. And I, I think it just happens naturally. Uh, yes, you can travel, but it may be a little more arduous. And the desire to go, I think, diminishes a little bit. We have so much to explore right here. That's great. You know, we were just gone for a four-day thing, and we we spent a lot of time not talking about a bucket list, but talking about the things that we have done that we're really grateful for. So it was, I don't know what you want to call that, because it's not like a, <laughs> a list that you, you know, before you kick the bucket, you want to do. It's yeah. stuff that we recognize we've been privileged to do. So that was yes. kind of a way to be, kind of develop some more gratefulness. Hey, Shirley, before we go, uh, tell us a little about your new book, the Mindful Grandparent, The Art of Loving Our Children's Children. What should we take away from what we read in your book? Well, I think what Marilyn McIntyre and I, we were co-writers of this book, really desire in our heart of hearts is to share our love for the experience of moving into elderhood. Uh, we think it's a calling. And for us, both of us having been academics, working in higher education and writing, it seems like the ultimate way to share who we are, what we love, and who we love with each other, with, with others who are in the same experience. And uh, we hope that we have put together the kinds of stories and research and suggestions that will really help other grandparents who are in love with the idea of grandparenting. Yes, thank you so much for joining us today. We will make sure that we have on our show notes a way to get your book. And uh, good luck as you go ahead and tell more people about it. It's a, a wonderful book of, of great ideas and great encouragement. So I hope people will go ahead and get it and, and enjoy it. Thanks again, Shirley, for being on. Thank you. I tell you, it's so much fun to hear other people's perspectives on life as a grandparent. 
I think trying to get my head around our kids' perspective is helpful as well. And it's a challenge because they're really coming from kind of different places, I think. Yeah, so going forward, as you wonder what they're thinking, make sure you ask. And what you learn, please share with us. Even if you want to do it anonymously, that's fine. And there are a couple of ways that you can get in touch with us and share what you've learned, what you think, what you, maybe you'd like to hear more about on future episodes of The Grand Life. You can email us at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com, or you can voicemail us at the phone number 317-572-7876. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life about sound machines, you know, those whirring noise machines that they put in nurseries and they put in offices. They're just everywhere and very, very prevalent. They weren't around when we were kids or when we had children. But now I'm thinking, are there benefits to those? There must be. And there also, could there be things that are bad about it for our grandchildren and ourselves? That's next time on The Grand Life.